Hello and welcome to episode two of the To Be Named podcast discussion thing. Today we are talking about precision rifle shooting matches. My name is Derek, also from sales I have Jason and Luke, and from my marketing team I have Connor. So, Luke, we'll start with you. Uh, what sort of precision rifle shooting matches are there for center fire throughout the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. There's two main governing bodies out there that run and host matches. Uh, mainly here what we see on the East Coast is the Precision Rifle Series matches. PRS, yeah. Yep. And then with on the West Coast, NRL, National Rifle League. Mm -hmm. And then along with that, they also have subgroups, some submatches mm -hmm. in there, such as NRL Hunter, yeah. along those kind of lines. And I know around here we have a lot of small clubs that host one-day matches that aren't affiliated with any series. Yeah, they that kind of make up their own rules as they go along. They yeah. still kind of follow the same rules, general same patterns. Rules. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. hosting a lot of matches. Yeah. So we got some uh, hardware on the table here. Jason? All right. So we've got a couple rifles. that This is all stuff you could use or would expect to see you know, in a match of this type. So we've got the AIAX here that has been fitted with some extra Arca rail accessories to make weird positional stuff a little handier. Uh, another handguard off an AI with another Arca adapter. Over here we've got the Seekins Hit Pro, which is kind of out, but uh, not quite yet. Got a Collis on this one, Tangent on this one, and a couple bipods you'd expect to see. So I've got a Thunder Beast here that has the uh, dual clamp that I added onto it just recently, so it'll mount on Pick or Arca. And then Atlas Bipod, and then we're down to the Vortex Venom uh, there as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll look at to this here in a uh, little bit. So first thing I want to mention, we have two different types of rifles here. The AI started off life pretty much as a full-on sniper rifle. And Seekins pretty much built from the ground up as a purpose-built precision rifle right. match rifle. So what are the types of, di of differences that we'll see in the factory form on the AI, not what you've done to it, but in the factory form on the AI, like what type of handguard accessory, what, yeah. what differentiates well, I mean, it's it? a, the, the biggest thing is going towards some ARCA attachment to mm -hmm. where you can get kind of on the balance point. But other than getting on the balance point just for you know, shooting on a tripod, you've got a full, full run for running a bipod. So if you run up on a post or a little barrel or something and you've got this much length out in front of you you can run your bipod back quickly and with the arca you can do it fairly quickly more so than with picatinny rail so, yeah and what's what i found funny is that companies like ai started off full-on sniper rifle like that's what they do and then people started using and tweaking their their guns for match shooting now ai is starting to incorporate that adapting. into their new guns like the atx and that sort of thing and that's becoming more and more popular with sniper rifles again. So it's kind of, you know, one kind of influencing the other. So it is pretty neat to see there. Um, so as far as the types of shooting that is often seen during these matches, what type of uh, distances, what type of targets and standards, like, showcase it for us? Essentially, most of the time where you're seeing target engagements are going to be anywhere from three to a thousand yards, especially out here on the East Coast. Um, you'll see engagements sometimes up to 12, 1300 as well. Once you start hitting two day, two day regional finales, everything like that. Um, typically target size, MOA, you're looking at three to four MOA. You're seeing mm -hmm. dependent on stage, 
how much movement's in that stage essentially, but positions and all that. Exactly. Yeah. As you start moving up the ladder, mm. up higher, getting more competitive, you're going to start seeing one and a half MOA, sometimes an MOA target snuck out there kind of thing that's really going to narrow you down and hone in Especially your skills. KYL stuff. Yes. Yep. You get a <laughs> 600 yard KYL and first one's a meatball and next thing you know, you're looking, <laughs> you're looking so at an MOA. That's a <laughs> know your limit yeah. target. Yeah. So it's a bunch of targets that are next to each other. One is smaller than the last and depending on which, yeah. what the rules are for that match, if you, there's a penalty for missing the more risky you go in trying to hit that target. That's the cool thing about with the precision rifle matches mm -hmm. is that the match directors have a lot of freedom to design stages. A lot of creativity. Correct. Yeah. So every time you go out and shoot, you're going to be testing a new skill. You might mm -hmm. be seeing a new skill that mm -hmm. watching your other competitors and everything like that. It might like be that. A, a skill that you never would ever need, like the one time I shot off of a cargo net. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Wanted to throw my rifle into the dumpster after that. That was my first time doing that. That was second stage on one of my first PRS matches that I did. So the first stage just sucked. I was I was going way too fast. And like it was a six target uh, string there. And I finished it. It was a two minute limit. I'm, I have a minute and 30 seconds left. I'm like, what the hell? Why did I, why did I go through? Your sense of time just vanishes. Oh yeah. Whenever you... Whenever you start doing that stage, so you need the kitchen yeah. timer on your arm. Yeah, especially when you got a loosey goosey cattle gate and you can't use a tripod as a support, <laughs> and that yeah. cattle gate starts starts rocking and rolling. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, the the different positions that you can get at the matches are definitely interesting, and I'll I'll tell you what is cool: seeing how different people work through them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is. So, um, calibers. Well, the biggest, as far as positionally, what I've seen. Um, is the biggest thing I, I would say that you would want to practice maybe if mm. you are going to do it is literally just shooting off of a ledge, you know, just like a barricade. Because okay. that really, no matter what it looks like, like a tank trap or a barricade or uh, a windowsill of a, you know, 20-year-old Suburban, which mm -hmm. I just did here a few months ago, it's a 2x4 and you're shooting off of that 2x4 at various odd heights that are not... Not perfectly convenient. standing or sitting, it's kind of in that right. middle so awkward as as, zone. So yeah. you, could, you could easily just throw something together, a barricade to, to practice on. Yeah, simple 2 by 4 throwing together a simple 2 by 4 just to learn where the balance point of, of your rifle get, is yeah. and to get there quickly. Quickly, that's the important part, is the quickest setup and the guy that makes the least mistakes, I mean, the higher you're going to rank. So. Yeah. Right. What for calibers we typically see for this sort of thing? I know that um, the Precision Rifle Series does a lot of very good data keeping, mm -hmm. and 6.5 oh, yeah. six, Creedmoor is at the top. It is. Your 6.5 Creedmoor is at the top, especially for introductory level. Mm -hmm. And as you start going in, 6 Creed's also very highly there, but most guys you're seeing now are running a 6BR variant of some sort, yeah, a 6BR, 6 Dasher. Yeah, so what's the point? What performance goals are you trying to get with, with some of these cartridges? Total recoil reduction. Correct. So you take your 20-pound gun that you've got weights on, throw it on a bag close to the balance point hopefully and you know then under recoil not only are you seeing your impact better which is important but your recovery time is faster and that's a huge so, thing too is like what jason just said there mm -hmm. was about recoil reduction and everything like that is a lot of guys will get into once you start getting into the br variants and even your six creed is chasing velocity they'll start chasing velocity now i know i believe it's 31 or 3200 feet per second is your max right but 
I'd rather have a cartridge such as a 6BR or 6BRA, bring it back at 2,800. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might have an extra tenth of wind drift at 800, 900 yards, mm -hmm. but you're going to be able to see your impact, which is a lot more and be able to correct on the fly. Faster. Correct. Yeah. So Rather than to... having a 6XC go in... 3,100 feet per second and having a missile flying down there and you have no idea what happened, especially on a 400-yard engagement. Mm -hmm. It's going to be there before you even have time to readjust. So, Jason, you, you mentioned heavy heavy rifles. Um, yeah, most guys are going to be, you know, some guys, uh, uh, especially some that we know uh, that don't have legs that like to shoot these <laughs> matches, uh, he, likes to run, he likes to run uh, lots of weights and a truck axle barrel so he's pushing over 20 pounds i don't know i don't know what what the latest one he's got is but you know it might be 25 pounds but so you know the the weight that you can attach to you know the handguards um there's there's more there's more available options now with these different models you know fit mlock fit so ai has weights that fits their key slot there's mlock weights now so basically you're you're adding weight for recoil reduction and you're adding weight for balance, you know, changing the balance. There is a point though where things get a little bit silly because I, the last match I did, you had to do some offhand shooting. Just yeah, tons, which is tons of fun. Yeah, that's like not it. fair. It, I, I do I, too. I, I, well, liked, like yeah. <laughs> I like that stage because I do offhand shooting quite, quite often with my M24 out to about 300 yards or so, which is exactly what it was. It was a full size silhouette at 300. You had to shoot offhand standing and either sitting or kneeling and then prone with no bipod. And so many people were trying to bring their massive <laughs> rifles up. Now, my M24 need more offhand to uh, to penalize some of the. Heavy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was actually using a borrowed AT, mm -hmm. uh, so that was about the same weight as my M24 at the at the end of the day, and uh, that was that was pretty heavy. But but um, it was pretty neat to see who knows how to shoot with a sling offhand and who doesn't. Yeah, and that was that was where I actually gained up a lot of points. I lost earlier in the day from being so frustrated and quick, but terrible. Uh, what for optics? What type of features uh, are, are people typically going with? Well, like, I mean, you uh, got to start with you know, it starts with first focal plane, and there's there's oh, yeah. these. We are living in the good old days right now, uh, is what I like to say, because there's so many options. Tons. Where yeah. You can get into you can get a full featured scope at three hundred bucks, up to now uh, you know eight thousand. Well, the so, and all that. Yeah. So, um, you know, what you've got there is around five. Yeah. And that's that's been a pretty popular entry level. Yeah, um, I was going to get onto this. Uh, first focal, yeah. Christmas tree type mm -hmm. reticle. Unfortunately, we're moving towards floating dots, which I mean, you don't like. But <laughs> I, I, no, I like it. I like my crosshair. For, which I've hated for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, right. all, all we need to do is connect the middle. It's okay. Yeah. You, you guys you just did connect it. Okay. So anyway, that's become a thing now. Mm -hmm. So what I will say is this particular scope I did get behind with the Skimmer 4 at FTW, which is, this is the Collis. After I did shoot that scope, uh, well, now I have one here that I own. So um, I'm okay with that as far as like a dot reticle, but basically... When it's when the gate is when the gate around the dot is pretty tight, uh, us crosshair people can manage it a lot better. Yeah. Is that that jive for you as well? Yeah, I agree with that. And I would say too, pretty common now. You're seeing five to twenty-five power range. Yeah. What I mean, what well, even is... more power really because guys are a lot of guys are doing thirty-fives because they're trying to pick out a small target. 
Well, yeah, and nowadays the extra power doesn't come with the drawback that it used to. Correct. Look at Vortex's new Razer 3, the 636. Tons of travel. The glass is just fantastic. Turrets are good. Yep. It's got closed parallax. I mean, that one... Great field of view at 36 power. It's Yeah, great. yeah. But also, I mean, we have two scopes right here that are at complete opposite ends of the spectrum well, here. The, the, you just add a zero to that one. Yeah. To get that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, I... I love the Venom. But they both will function in, this, in these matches. They both will because... Yep. And you can win with each one. Yeah. You definitely can because even though I will, you know, it's, I'd be stupid to say that the Tangent isn't worth the money. The Venom, for example, and others like it at well under the $1,000 mark, I think a lot of people who want to do these types of matches want to do it even just, just casually. They don't want to sink, you know, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 into their, a rifle. It's not center. their life as it is for some of us. Basically, one of us, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but they want to get into it and are worried that there's like a certain barrier to entry as far as price goes. And like on that point, I was thinking if you have a thousand bucks for a rifle, something like a CTR right here or Bergara, yeah, ten round mag. That would be one of the key things you want to. Yes. Yeah, detachable mag, ten round. Really got to have at least ten. Yeah. Um, Bergara with the HMR. At the thousand dollar mark. What's awesome about that CTR there is you have mm -hmm. pick rail already ready to go, mount your scope. Trigger's good, doesn't need replaced. Trigger, Threaded trigger barrel for yep. a, a big old break. Um, stock's okay, you can run it for a while. Mm -hmm. Might be one of those things that eventually you want to upgrade. And right now, there's a ton of companies out there making drop ins now for tickets. Exactly, yeah. So this, the HMR Bergara for and about some that will uh, have some hopefully this year. Yeah. Yeah, more stuff's always coming out. Yeah. But um, it's nice to see Tika with companies now picking up behind the Tika craze, is because there for a while. The big drive for that was Remington having the yep. financial difficulties. And Remington themselves, okay on the quality. Yeah. Maybe less than okay. But uh, Tika's definitely taken off, so has Bergara. Correct. And all the Bergaras are just a Remington that's actually built well. Yeah. So um, those are. I see a lot of Brigars, a lot of Tikas, a lot of custom guns. Seekins are starting to get in there now with some of their creations. A lot of guys running some AIs as well, especially at the really high-end part of it. I've seen that Baird Emrad pop in there every once in a while, every too. Every once in a while, <laughs> yeah. you see something like that. A couple of Ruger Precisions as well, but honestly, if, you're, if, if people are thinking, what's the cheapest way to get into this? I say either a CTR or an HMR Brigara. Yep. Yeah, the uh, HMR Brigara is a um, great one. For 500 bucks, you can get a Venom. Yep. If you're military law enforcement, you can get it even cheaper than 500 bucks. Set of rings, bipod, bag, muzzle brake, you're under 2,000 bucks. 2,000 bucks, you're in it. Yeah. And you're ready to rock and, and roll. And that will, that will do really, really well. Because I saw a you guy You can still was, win with it. You can yeah. definitely win with that. Because, you know, you see all these people. It's fun to watch. Because, you know, it's, a, the, it's that typical thing. You can't buy yourself to be good. You still have to be good. So it, it is... It is comforting to see people come up with relatively modest setups and just smoke the dudes with $5,000 scopes, $6,000 rifles, all the bags and tripods and all that sort of stuff. Uh, speaking of uh, bags and tripods, what's typically common? I see you've got well, this a... is That's my favorite there. So that's the uh, full-size game changer. Game changer. And, uh, you know, I know you don't like that term, but I, I hate in this case... The bag's great. I hate the term is, uh, game changer because everyone uses it and they're all wrong. Perfectly uh, named. 
Yeah. But it, it'll, it basically can adapt. And actually, our, our buddy Ron at Swarovski was the first one that mm-hmm. turned me on to using it as a rear bag. He said he mm-hmm. used it all around. I was like, man, that's a big rear bag. I've been making my own, cobbling my own rear bags together for 20 years or so, mm-hmm. maybe 25, actually. And uh, when he said that, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to try it because I needed one for a, you know, an obstacle, a, a, a match type bag uh, as well for front. And then I tried his rear bag, and he was right. Yeah. One thing I have noticed a lot of the times, um, people get a bit too rambunctious with all the different bags 20, and 29 such. bags hanging on their bag. Yeah, I mean, that, that match that I did in New York, it was with Ron, actually. Um, I had a borrowed AI-AT. Mm-hmm. I had my Atlas BT-65 on a pick rail, and I had one tab gear bag that was about that big. Yep. That was it. And... Those matches, like like you said earlier, some of those targets are not small enough to warrant you, you, you don't have to have a perfectly locked in position. If you're floating on that target- It's just getting good enough fast. Yeah, good yep. enough fast, okay? That reticle is on the target, I don't care, it's moving, it's just send it. Yep, and that's what's awesome too, is I know I always tell a lot of guys from Armageddon mm-hmm. gear, the Shemedium is right in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's a nice size, it's not as big. I, Pretty much essential. You'd only need two bags. That, and they also make a small beaver tail, or it's um, from Tab Gear. It's their little back one. I know you run the Tab Gear one. They're great having a small little one for like small window platforms. Mm-hmm. So like if you're shooting out of a shoot house, something like that, that's great for that little ledge. Still gives mm-hmm. you a little bit of support. Sometimes it's nice to have one in the front and the back. Correct. It is. Uh, well, the last I, match, I just I just took that. And, yeah, put the little one in the windowsill, and if you're allowed to use your tripod on the rear, you can put your rear bag on your tripod and hook it. Let's talk bipods. Yes. Got an Atlas here. This is a BT-65. And you've got a Thunder Beast right there. Uh, what are some features that you would say someone should look for in a bipod for a precision rifle match shooting? I would say the panning and can function is huge because you're going to be shooting on unlevel surfaces, mm-hmm. and especially when you're getting into field can't. matches. Yeah, yeah. Can't particularly. Can't. Pan, pan is less important. He and I, I don't, we, we don't, don't like, like pan. pan. <laughs> that's, why yeah. we like the, that's why we love the so we 65. Yeah, we both have these. Uh, now, um, I'm messing with this bipod here and, it, and different leg positions. I like that one because you can you can change your bipod legs depending on what position that you're going to be in versus something like a harris and especially which, hang on, don't leave this one yet yeah so especially when you're posing your guns on instagram or spilling your drink you can uh you can put the, the bipod in the cool stance <laughs> well that just keeps it level this yeah, way. Yeah. yeah it's for aesthetics um harris bipods Sorry. are good people have used them um the only thing i don't like about them is the fact that they can't do the the independent leg movement correct and i've got people have used them a lot of times in the in years prior people mm-hmm. were using them specifically and they would take a piece of paracord or something tie the front legs together so when you're going into a position you grab the paracord and yank and your bipod set up yep that's a good system i do like seeing the creativity that people come up with oh absolutely but uh but for a uh, bipod especially i mean for the type plus of, two adjustable height yes there you go and that's spring deployed that's yeah, not. this one's not, but I mean, who cares? Yep. Um, this one's got the, the uh, spiking can't, feet on can't it. Can't locking feature needs to be able to lock the yeah, lock so yourself level. That's yep. my biggest. On the on Atlas is like the BT10 and 46, smooth, 47. smooth, fast. Yeah. Lock. Yeah. This one easy. You can do that there and tighten it in. And I'm a big fan of spike feet for uh, preloading. Yes. Yeah. So you can dig in without kind of skirting the bipod across yep. the across the way there. And one thing that I think is good to get it's worth the money 
if you go with a bipod, be it one with the Arca on top of it, or both in that case, or one with a Picatinny attachment like this one, quick mm -hmm. detach or quick adjust, whatever, definitely nice to have because yes. if you have a, a rifle, let's say you just had a rifle with a rail on the, on the bottom that went all the way back instead of Arca on something like this, it is nice to be able to quickly just take your bipod off, reposition it, um, on the Arca, with the Arca, but just, just, you just slide it. It's a bit easier on the Arca. Just, it's just a loosened slide, retighten. Um, but it is nice to have that. So if someone is in the market for a bipod for this sort of thing, I do think that uh, spending the extra about 60 bucks or so in, in this case to get yep. the quick detach, definitely. Well, and also bipods are expensive. So they are. you can pass them. I mean, I just like suppressors. I mean, bipods, I pass around to so many guns. Mm -hmm just to make the most out of them. Community. Yep. Um, Connor, I feel like we've been kind of hogging all the volume in this room here. You haven't really done um, really any type of precision rifle shooting matches? Yeah, like admittedly, questions? I don't have any experience doing... We'll, we'll change that. We'll find something. <laughs> ...doing actual PRS shooting. So I guess one of the questions in terms of the bipod, I've come across this just in my research for mm -hmm. what I do here, yeah. is one-handed adjustability. Um, how big of yeah. a, is that like a big factor you need to consider or it's just speed? It's, it, it, it's a speed thing. It's, it's, it's good to have that way you can keep your strong hand on the weapon. If you need to adjust the bipod, you can reach up, make your adjustments via, uh, either just changing the leg positions or, uh, moving it on the fly, like on the Arca rail, for example, one handed operation. Um, and that's why this is very on, on the left side because right handed yeah. gun. So, yep. uh, so it, it might be more important than. I thought before you yeah, asked yeah. that question. Anything that saves time on the setup, really. Uh, the other yeah. thing I was kind of curious about is different yeah. bipod heights. Um, yeah. Just, uh, I guess, what would be a good general purpose well, height to start There is at? no good general because there's no good convention for measuring them. No. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you measure, <laughs> so. like, with this atlas, do you measure to the pick rail point? Do you measure to, like, the taint area? Like, where do you measure? Do you, do you measure to the shoulder? Uh, I don't know. To answer your question, though, a generic sort of answer is about a like six, six to, to nine. nine, seven to twelve, whatever it is. Somewhere in that ballpark is going to be good. Um, I found people going higher, I think, in the last few years, though. Back you know, 15 years ago when I started shooting these type of matches, everyone was shooting How low can you six go? to nine, and everyone had their chins in the dirt. I'm like, mm -hmm. first of all, you're putting more of your body on the ground, so you're feeling more tremor from yourself. So if you can get your torso up off the ground, I've always run the, uh, originally the Harris nine to 13. So I've always been a little higher bipod wise. Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing something wrong, but it turns out now later, it, maybe it was, uh, it was actually right. Cause it got my torso <laughs> off the ground. Your less trendsetter. Heartbeat, oh, less yeah. heartbeat. So less I've, heartbeat. I, I always tend to go just a little higher. So you're a little more squared up. That's I, I that one might come down to personal taste. It is. I'm, it's also I'm the thick, opposite of his. You know, how thick you are and how your body, you know, different mm. different anatomy is going to be more comfortable in a different spot, really. Yeah. On that note, uh, leg segments, more or less, I guess, which one is... Segments? Most yeah, of these are segments. going to have two. You're not really getting into Yeah, it's not like a tripod where you go here sitting. and then another one down. It's all going to be a two-piece with... Uh, usually you'll have... Except for the sky, pretty much. Yeah, usually you'll have some kind of notch. Yeah, yeah, the sky yep, yeah. I was just getting ready to mention that, <laughs> the two-piece guys. Mm -hmm. Three-piece, yeah. Or three-pull. Three pull. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, tripods, quickly. We didn't mention yeah. tripods. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the king of the hill really has been really right stuff as far as uh, cost, but also 
actual quality and rigidity. It's and worth it. Robustness and you know I I, uh, I avoided it for many years, but finally got into well, it. Yeah, spending what thirteen hundred bucks yeah. on a tripod? Are you kidding me? But and it's but no. it's, it's but after having it, <laughs> and first thing I did, I took that that rifle right here, clamped it in there, and at two thousand yards standing. I could hold a wobble of about the size of a cantaloupe with no other. I didn't have a, you know, a sling hooked to my belt loop or it was just straight up standing. Kind of but also, life. Yeah. again, to bring the budget down, the, the Vortex Radians are we, we really close. We, you know, we've been, I've been running them side by side for a while now. Um, when I go out and do groundhog stuff, I'll actually take both of them. And they both have their advantages. Uh, really great stuff. You can have the, the ball, so it's the anvil 30 so quick change and you can go everywhere but yep. then the uh the radiant ball specifically you can lock the ball and still pivot pan back and forth so mm -hmm. i use that and keep your lot. up and down the same right like yeah. if i'm tracking a groundhog mm -hmm. whether it's with the gun or with the camera mm -hmm. i can just lock the ball so them so my big spotter doesn't go from so how 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 prevalent what's what sort of stage how would you typically see a tripod deployed in a precision shooting match you can use a lot of yeah, I was going to say with, with weird situations really. with the purpose of the barricade being your main point of contact. I mean, you can't just say screw that barricade. I'll just use my tripod. It doesn't quite work like that. No. But you can put it on the back. It's rare, you can really. kind of yeah, it's yeah. very rare that you see it. But I mean, you do run into issues with you do run into scenarios with it where you can have it say you have it sticking out the front window. Mm -hmm. You can have your tripod here. I've used it and as wrap a it. Rest. Yeah. You can wrap the tripod and put the tripod mm -hmm. here gun here and pull it in tight gives you an mm -hmm. extra point of contact or i like using it too a lot of the times like and this is not match style but i love having my tripod especially with the quick release i can take my binos off mm -hmm. put my plate on and then just put my sandbag on top and use it right. for that aspect of mm -hmm. building my own barricade essentially yeah it's always funny to watch someone walk up to a stage with a bag here a bag here a bag in their in their left shoe pocket or something <laughs> and a tripod and they waddle up to the match for the first stage, and it says go, and he fucking spends five minutes setting up everything, and two still seconds misses. Starts, still misses. <laughs> so, okay, binos. We didn't get on binos. So yeah, bino. I, I, I've been particularly hooked on bino rangefinders for ten years now. Yeah, having the combined device is amazing, and you know, the, all of the stuff that's been coming out, whether mm -hmm. it's uh, you know Vortex, Sig, Leica, um, Swarovski, Zeiss, having a rangefinding bino for me, I think, is priceless. Especially when you can build the dope in and save a step and you don't have to consult your Kestrel. Yeah. Another device, which is a life changer. Yeah, the Kestrel was good for me because when I did my match, I didn't have time to actually get dope. I just, I got a muzzle velocity and I zeroed at 100 yards and then drove to the match. <laughs> and for just starting out, do it too. Yeah. and for just starting out too, there's a great app app out there, Streelock Pro. It's like, four, spend the money, it's like $14 in the app store. There's and tons it's, of good apps too. And yeah. it's a pro version. Mm -hmm. Love it. I mean, I use it on the daily. Guys are in the office going, how far can I stretch this? Well, what's your velocity? And just, it's an you awesome quick, it real quick, yeah, it's a quick reference. Yeah. But, but I, I do like figuring out um, how can you do this without spending all this money? Because it's easy to, I kid you not, I if you say $20,000, I can build you a, a list of things to get in 10 seconds. Yeah. But do you need to have that at the day of the match? It would be nice to have a, a, a Kestrel, especially because it can actually detect the atmospherics and the changes during yeah, the day. Yeah, the range-finding bino that's doing the dope. Like the yep. Fury from Vortex, for example. Um, but, uh, but something like that, I'd say a ballistic app is good. 
binos, maybe, you, know, you, you can do without them because other people at the match are going to let you borrow their stuff. You know, people have tripods set up with binos and spotters on them and the matches that I've been to, everyone was super nice and you can borrow their stuff. Yeah. You can get ranges if you if you want to, if you don't believe the, the guy that told you what the stage looked like or if they don't tell you. you know, someone will let you borrow their stuff, so you don't need to go there with 20k in gear. You can go there with one rifle, one or two bags, and that's pretty much it. This might seem like a stupid question, but wouldn't a spotting scope be more preferable than binos? It depends. I mean, obviously, if the binos have the range-finding function, they would if be you, a little more usable. It depends on kind of how you look at it, because if you're the one shooting... Are you the one carrying it? Are you the one carrying it? You should the, be the one carrying it. Some state, some matches, like the one I went to, everything was like right there. It's not like you have to move hundreds of yards between the matches. But Everything's there are right some there. ranges where you gotta... Sometimes you do, though. You gotta ruck to get yeah, to where you're the, going. The spotter's really for locating the target, and most mm -hmm. times you're not gonna have a problem locating the target. Right. The binos is, is minimum, you know, lesser location and more... Checking trees, checking condition, mirage. And that's if you're spotting for someone else. But it's also nice to have them for reading element as well for to mm -hmm. check elements. Guy, how do you shoot and see what the conditions are doing? Yeah. Try and see what he's holding for wind. If you shoot a caliber similar to you, eh, he's shooting six fives. He held half a, half a mil. He missed. Then he held .8 and it was good. I'll hold .8. Yeah. <laughs> shooting the same-ish ammo. You know, that if, you have to know what he's, what he's holding though. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part, is it a necessity? No. For binos, spine scope? No. But uh, I'd say something for weather because in the morning we got there, it was in the, the temperature was in the high 30s, low 40s, and it got to in the 70s in the mid afternoon. I was writing on a sharpie uh, with a sharpie on my forearm what the dopes were for all the different yardages, and some people have used more sophisticated things yeah, like like, the, like uh, notepads. Uh, or I was going to say the uh, uh, some of the M lock uh, data card holders mm -hmm. yeah. on directly onto some... your rifle. Yeah, um, I didn't have one of those in my rifle. I still don't board. have one, but I really, I, I really need one. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm the I same usually, way. Yeah. I usually yeah. straight up hand, but you know, the, the arm guard, all this like sort of the, stuff, uh, and you don't have the fifty dollar whatever it costs. No, no. <laughs> At sorry. least I have an excuse. Sorry, sorry Sean, um, but no, I, I, I know, I, I know, I need one. I just haven't got it yet. But you know, yeah, they do a so they do a pick mount and then one that mounts on the spur, and it just gives you the little data card off the side. So if you got mm. five targets up there, you can write your dopes on. There's some electronic versions for that. Then you got the Kestrel heads up display as well. So. I'm going to switch gears here. Um, for people who want to get into this, what are some good ways that they can practice for the, this sort of thing? Because there's different positions and sometimes there's different rules for a stage, like one where you can't touch your scope and they say targets at uh, 250, 400, Older 650. Stages. Yeah, so you have to either dial your scope to the middle and hold under, hold over, or just don't touch a scope. That's just the mental over. aspect. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the biggest so, thing, the biggest thing, training wise, I would say, you have, you have a little, mm -hmm. you build that little barricade at four mm -hmm. different uncomfortable levels, mm -hmm. and, and for indoor getting into position, indoor dry fire. And I know one of our guys here that does a lot of business with us, DST Precision, makes an awesome dry fire indoor dry firing that you can set up on your tripod. You can mm -hmm. use your little barricade inside, mm -hmm. and it's scaled to. What you've seen through the optical reducer deal. Mm -hmm. That's that one. Yep. I do like it because I, you learn a lot about your capabilities as a shooter when you do one of these matches. You, you know, you can definitely know where your limits are, what you're good at, what you can improve upon. Hey, you know what else is good for training? Rimfires. 
It's as if we hadn't had a video planned on that. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> but um, maybe the yeah. next one. We'll sink. We'll sink our teeth into that one on the next video. But um, and live firing. A lot of great companies make good ammo out there, so don't dry fire. <laughs> well, true. Yeah. Don't fire. Don't dry fire your twenty two. You mean? Or just. Yeah, definitely don't want to do that too many times. No. You get so many times before you turn your firing pin into an until a, a railroad spike. Yeah. <laughs> so we've. We've we've spoken about some rifles here. We have the the uh, on the low end of the price point, relatively. I'm not going to call Tika low end. Com com competition low end. Competition yeah. low end CTR or that Brigara. Uh, kind of mid range. We have this Seekins here, high end AI, of course. Um, but Connor, you've spent a lot of time looking at this rifle for our content online and that sort of stuff. So uh, what can you tell us about this thing? Well, as you said in the beginning, uh, this is built from the ground up as a competition gun. Um, mm -hmm. It says on uh, Seekin's website that mm -hmm. a lot of guns are for, you know, PRS are, it's a hunting, it's a hunting action mm -hmm. that's just slapped into a fancy chassis. And that uh, Tika down there, again, nothing wrong with it, but this is just very heavily optimized for competition, like toolless adjustments for Optimizes length of pull. Yeah. Uh, optimized, yes. Uh, toolless uh, adjustments for length of pull, mm. cheek height. Um, the butt pad, is that also toolless adjustment, or do you have to do something to it? Yeah, hang on, let me flip it yeah, over. It's over there. It's a, if you uh, loosen this, I think it might be a, yep, it might be a button out. as well. Again, but this, uh, is a, this is a prototype version, so that's not all production back there. Yeah, oh. but the, the, the purpose of this, different positions require different Yeah, having settings. the quick change your, your is, is actually, that's actually one thing I wanted to mention, having quick change mm -hmm. length of pull is pretty pretty valuable when you get into some weird positions. And then moving up towards grip, we see, see a lot vertical of vertical grips, vertical grips yeah. in this type of stuff. I personally, I'm not a fan. It does yeah, seem just a little an M24. maybe Shut uncomfortable. <laughs> the other thing that's worth pointing out is the- uh, Yeah, you can, like dot reticles. The uh, free float barrel. The handguard I know is also uh, removable. Um, is the uh, rail under there? Is that did, did you add that yourself, or did that come with the rifle? No. Well, they're, the pros are going to come with it. It's a pro, yeah. yeah. It has these little notches on it, so you can kind of quickly index and your, lock it down in place. Yeah, yeah. Your arcade piece on here. Um, let's see here. The other thing worth mentioning is the AICS magazines. One thing I have been curious about is the folding stocks on something like a CZ Bren or a CZ Scorpion with a folding stock. That makes, to me, that makes sense because you need it sometimes you need it to be compact. It's tactical, yeah. But for this, what is the point of a folding stock? Transit only. Transit only? And cleaning. Yeah, because yeah, now you can get a, a because uh, getting cleaning the, rod the, in there. These, these type of guns are all lower center of gravity. So you got to run your cleaning rod through the cheek piece to clean it. Mm -hmm. So folding it is so the, the, uh, immensely helpful. Cheek piece and the butt pad are above the bore when it's extended. But uh, for me, I like folding stocks on pretty much everything I can get a hold of. And, just for uh, transit. Just for transit and storage and that sort of thing. It's so much easier. You can fit something like this in an AR case. I also noticed, Jason, on this rifle and that one, you got some bubble levels on. Um, I think we would all agree, pretty important yeah, little absolutely. piece to have. When you get into some weird terrain, it's real easy to get messed up. I, I realized that I was shooting a 700 BDL 708. That was my first deer rifle. And 300 yards, I was off and high. That's when I realized I needed a level. That was like 25 years ago. And that compounds with distance, of course. So you can yep. be missing yeah. by time zones. 
by the time you hit 1200 yards on that. So yeah, bubble level. I mean, this USO one, I've got one as well. It was like what, 80 bucks. Yeah. Air attack one. It's been around for 20 years. Air attack one on that was like 90 bucks, I think, something like that. It's worth it. Just get a level. It's annoying. Yep. Just get a level. Pick one, anyone. And I was gonna say too, make sure it's mounted to your optic. Don't trust bubble levels that are in your chassis. Well, that or the rail. I like the Correct. rail one because the I like one when on it's the, only got one one place to be. I don't like the one so much that it mounted the tube because I, the, because then I have to mess up with here it. on your optic. When you start looking mm -hmm. at bubble levels and chassis and stuff, tread lightly. Well, then also yeah. having it having it uh, as you'll see if you if you look on mine, actually I have them positioned where when my right eye is on the scope, my left eye can actually yep. see the level, and that like just, that's like how I've been operating for a long time. <laughs> and that's just it's as your shot process, mm -hmm. just refining last, your shot process. Checking the wind, bubble level, send it. Send it. Uh, Connor, what else we got? Uh, trigger. Well, uh, for the trigger, one thing that's kind of, I think is kind of cool is the trigger is uh, interchangeable with. It didn't say all, but most uh, triggers for the Remington 700, and there is a huge aftermarket for that. For like, say, Timney, for example, they make a well, ton. That one is a Timney. That as is well. a Timney. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so there's just Jesus. That's sub two pounds for sure. Just a lot of a uh, lot of customization options for the trigger. Yeah, and, and what a lot of guys are doing in this realm, uh, and again, more towards not not disturbing your position, is going super light trigger down to ounces. Normally, so like a field trigger, sniper rifle trigger. Also, trigger. disclaimer for just getting into it: yeah. keep Don't. it set at about a pound and a half yeah, until yeah. you learn. Because <laughs> accidental discharges is the yeah, fastest way to get kicked out. It was the fastest yeah. way to get kicked you off don't of a fire. Four ounce trigger, you can beat everybody no. with a pound and a half. Yes. On the subject of triggers for yeah. PRS shooting, uh, what would be is this might just be a preference thing, but single stage versus uh, dual stage. Totally preference. Totally preference. I love two stage. I have a Geisley Super Seven Hundred. I, I literally have both right here. Same yeah. time. I've Shooting back to back, it's not. It, it's just personal. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say. I'm here. a huge single stage kind of guy. Yeah, I've so never needed a trigger. There's people like him. Connor, <laughs> yeah. If you're getting into it and you're trying to learn, there's people who are wrong, <laughs> and then there's the rest of us who, who adore two stage. Like <laughs> I, I love Geisley, and uh, their Super 700. I absolutely love it. Um, but uh, also, I was as I was messing with this bolt, that like an AR-15. <laughs> yeah, so. I guess um, that's I mean, what Glenn spent a lot of his time you know, after he started on some bolt guns. He spent a lot of AR time. So I mean, it's no doubt. I mean, on an AR ejection port cover, this could be the same same thing. Ejection port cover, dust cover. Just keep the um, keep the dirt between, between Florida and between it's, you know, twenty mile an hour or out west, and you're, there's still sand. sand and dirt. I was at a a uh, shooting school out in California, and there was dust and dirt being blown everywhere. That that'll lock your bolt up quick. But uh, I like it. You wouldn't have thought of this. Most people wouldn't have thought of something like this. They would just deal with the. I mean, it took this long. And here <laughs> they would just deal with 22, and there's the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, there's something pretty special about this rifle involving the barrel. Barrel is quick remove, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. I believe yep. so. Yes. Yep. So it has a very similar to the AI as far as no barrel extension required, just direct thread. Yeah, so on the AI, the, the fixing mechanism is slightly different. You loosen that screw, unscrew yeah. the barrel by hand. This one's conceptually missing the lug because uh, the, I, I broke the first one and the other one is not not in there yet. See, so. you keep breaking shit. Yeah. Glenn's not going to send us guns anymore. Sorry, it was, it was a test. But um, yeah, so 
quick change barrel, good for a couple things if you want to change out your calibers, but also some people run uh, precision rifle shooting. They do a lot of shooting. Yeah. And being able to have barrels. Changing them like tires. Yeah, just barrels on deck. Just uh, change them on the fly if you need to. Whenever yours starts to, starts to go, you can have a fresh one, plug that in, and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. So I do like it on that front. Like he said, like set of racing tires. Something else these guys are doing. Glenn, yeah. Glenn's offering basically bounties when you use these guns in matches and do well. So up to the point where Bounty. I think, I think the, yeah, I mean, I think he was saying like everyone, every match you use it in, you can get 25 bucks towards replacement barrels, something like that. That's pretty neat. Up yep. to, he said, if you win a PRS finale with it, I think it was 10 grand. Wow. So I don't know. I'm sure he's got that written somewhere. What a nice guy. On the note of the quick change barrel, I also believe mm -hmm. the bolt head is also yep. uh, interchangeable. Yes, so if you can go through PRC, six five PRC, sometime down the road a two twenty three here. Yeah, so the six five PRC is just a short, a just, a, just a magnum bolt face. So yeah, yeah, pin out with the old, in with the new. Two two three would be nice because then you can just train with what what what, yep. what used to be. 25 cent just 55 grain whatever now it's what 45 50 cents i hate everything right now uh, 22s cost as much as 223s so. yep yeah one more question for yeah. you i see you have a flat face trigger in there um mm -hmm. i guess just what is the benefits or the difference between a flat face versus a curved trigger it's all personal preference it's personal, personal. personal and i have I have gone more time. I'm doing flat now when I can. I put the flat shoe in the AI. I like a gentle uh, curve on my triggers. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan flat of perfect fan flat, but it's just personal preference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since I shot this gun in a match in New Jersey last October, that's when I really got hooked on the flat trigger, honestly. That and the Christensen NPR. Um, that had started with a flat trigger. That's where I first really liked it. So we've talked about a lot here. Uh, we did try to... Cram this to about 30 minutes. We're on, Went on some about tangents. 40, Didn't we're on about 45 minutes right now, to be no honest. No pun intended. But, oh, there you go. You're the second person <laughs> in this company to use that joke. Guess who's the first? Um, anyway, if you do want to learn more about this stuff, you can always give us a call. Down below, though, in the comment section, we do want to hear what you guys think about this whole thing and what topics you want us to cover. And also give us some names below. We have a few that we're kind of thinking of, but we think that there's still some potential out there. So let us know uh, down below what for a name for this show thing. That would be a good fit. So that'll wrap it up. If you enjoyed this video, please give it a like and subscribe. We'll have new videos out soon for this sort of thing, hopefully. So also find us on Facebook and Instagram. See you next time.